This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, February 5th, this is how we do it. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who never misses a show. Except, of course, when he does miss a show, Jerem Jordan. I've never missed a show except when I do. Uh, Penn State produced um, something viral yesterday, so they tweeted the following. A Penn Stater has appeared in every Super Bowl. And then in Santa Claus-like print with Tim Allen on the card, except for five since 1967. <laughs> what? So, uh, Robbie McCombs, shout out to Seattle, uh, tweeted something like, uh, yeah, BYU has beaten Utah every year since 2009, except the last nine games. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Hey, of note, BYU has been represented in each of the last five Super Bowls, and that's legit. No fine print necessary. Yeah, exactly. No, no need to get legal involved here. <laughs> Did you also know that every time we have a show, we bring it, except when we don't? Yeah, I was going to say, there are a couple. But hey, we're bringing it today on a Friday. BYU basketball makes a big jump oh, man. up the net rankings after an eye-opening offensive performance. Gideon, I know it was Portland. Gideon George! But still, Ken Pomeroy's index taking notice as well. We'll update the bracket madness plus countdown to Super Bowl Sunday with Super Bowl champion coach and former BYU tight end Brian Billick. How do you defend the Kansas City Chiefs offense? He's a defensive guy. He'll tell us. And Jerem does not have to spin the wheel of consequence today. Spoiler alert. Come on. <gasps> Congratulations. I'm ex- I am very excited. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Men's basketball beats up Portland. I told you it'd be a bloodbath yesterday. I didn't realize it'd be a 105-60 win. 45-point win. In the Child Center, thanks to a double-double from first-time starter. This Gideon George, 19 points, 13 rebounds, amazing. He out-rebounded Portland by himself, by the way, 13-12. to 12. Uh-huh. I've never heard of a team only getting 12 rebounds in a game. That's unbelievable. Well, when you don't miss many shots and score 105 points, there aren't many rebounding opportunities. There are more. You can get them. Greg Rubel says the 45-point win is the largest margin of victory on the road against a D1 opponent in BYU Hoops history. Wow. Number one Gonzaga comes to Provo Monday night. I was calling the women's game simultaneously and vividly remember seeing BYU up by nine points with about five minutes to go in the first half and then didn't look again until halftime. And they were up 22 or whatever. I was like, what happened? What happened? We'll explore that Tuesday night on the Pokemon. BYU football and head coach Kalani Satake officially hired Kevin Clune yesterday as the new linebackers coach. Clune joins BYU with 28 years of coaching experience, including stints at Oregon State, Utah State, Hawaii, and others. Clune served as a defensive analyst for the Cougars this past season. He was on the same staff as Kalani Satake at Southern Utah in 0304, and then they've gone against each other several times. When Kalani Satake was hired here, guess who took over as the D.C. at Oregon State? Kevin Clune. So these guys have been together or right around each other a lot over the years. Kevin, Kalani, and the rest, I'm sure, will be watching former Cougars Daniel Sorensen and Andy Reid do their thing in the Super Bowl this Sunday as the Chiefs try and repeat when they take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Number one, BYU men's volleyball loses in four to number eight, UCLA. What happened? Setter Will Stanley sprained his ankle Monday and didn't play. BYU had 24 hitting errors, hit 168. That setter-hitter connection was tough. Two tangle again tomorrow at 6 Eastern on BYU TV. We'll chat with head coach Sean Olmstead later in the program. BYU women's basketball victorious last night after a 75-61 victory over Pepperdine. Lauren Gustin had an historic night, 27 points mm. and 20 rebounds. She had more rebounds in Portland as well. 27 and 20? 20 rebounds, by the way, is the sixth most ever in a game in BYU women's basketball history. The ladies back in action at home tomorrow against Loyola Marymount on BYU TV, 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 Eastern. And women's volleyball beats Utah Valley in four in or Maddie Allen had the most incredible libero sequence I've maybe ever seen. We're going to show it later in the show. It's saying amazing. something because Mary Lake has done a, quite a few amazing things as well. Yes, she didn't have what happened yesterday. And the women's soccer season begins tomorrow, 7 Eastern, on the BYU TV app against Utah. In fact, we have a triple header. Women's hoops, men's volleyball, women's soccer. Yeah, women's soccer playing at uh, Zions Bank Real Academy in Harriman, Utah. So indoor on the turf, games a little faster, and uh, should be an entertaining weekend for sure. On turf, you're begging for for injuries. Not not a fan. And BYU knows it all too well. Losing uh, a player to a broken leg already, Ellie Mon. Yeah, bummer. It is what it is, though. If you're going to play early, you got to play inside in Utah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is, and they and they play on. So best of luck to the ladies and all the teams tomorrow competing. All rise and shout! It's time for what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Ah, the Book of Gideon, Jerem, begins for BYU basketball. Gideon George making his first start, and he too had an unforgettable performance. We were all kind of wondering, when is Mark Pope going to solidify that starting five, or is it just a moving target every game? Maybe BYU just found their starting lineup with the implementation of Gideon George. What do you think? Did Mark Pope and the Cougars lock in what they need moving forward? No, it was Portland. Portland stinks. Um, but <laughs> it, was, it was good to mix it up and see some success. Now you swing from the worst team in the league and one of the worst 50 teams in, in college basketball to the top team in college basketball. It doesn't mean that it's going to be necessarily like a good showing Monday, but I, I like that BYU is still pursuing greatness. They're not stuck in, yeah, no, nope, this is just how it is. No, BYU is constantly assessing who needs to be in there. Now, it's not the starting lineup, is, that's not exactly true. The starting five, yes, but it's the, it's the non-senior two. So it's Harms, Barcelo, Averett. They are sol- solid in that. It's who are the other two? Who is that third guard and who is the power forward? So now you put in Gideon George as that third guard. You put Loner at the four. That's great. Connor Harding added 12 off the bench. All five starters scored in double figures. This was a case where BYU found something good. They responded to a tough week. Coming off a double overtime win against Pacific. Coming off a loss. This was a nice performance, albeit against a tough team. But BYU's not beating teams by 45. We'll get to the jump in the metrics. Mm. Wow. Wow. Even though it was Portland. Wow. In the metrics. So the question is, if you play 10 deep... Does it really matter who starts? I think it does for the three seniors, but BYU was just trying to jump out in front a little better. And that happened, but when we talk in March, I highly doubt that this starting five will have gone the distance. I think BYU will still kind of tweak and mix it up here and there, and it's great they found something last night. I don't think it's a long-term solution, though. You know what's wild about the starting five yesterday? If Mark Pope is not the head coach at BYU... Not one of those guys is on the floor for BYU. Think about that. 
Matt Harms, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett, all transfers. Caleb, Caleb Lunder is a transfer from transfer Utah. Transfer from Utah. And then Gideon, Gideon George, George is junior a transfer. college find and transfer by Mark Pope and his staff. Five transfers. How about that? Four of the starting five. Not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You pointed out yesterday, BYU basketball with this staff is a place where all types of players can come. Wider, the university. Yes. The university. Yeah. Yes. So I loved it. When I saw this, I thought, wow, what an eclectic group here. Because two years ago, none of these guys were even in the mix. Yes. Great point. And that's the, the Mark Pope uh, you know, part of this. He's and and listen. This plays into the bigger picture of the church, right? Be, uh, the church wants religious transfers, do they not? Hey, I know you were you were at this religion. If this fits for you, come over here, and we feel like we have something good. That's Mark Pope as well with this team, and he's brought eclectic, as you mentioned, this group together, which is great. And he pointed out, as you talked about in our pre-production meeting, he pointed out in the locker room, hey, Trevenel got got benched but came in and got three rebounds. And it wasn't that Trevin was doing something horribly wrong. They were just trying to find the best starting lineup. Yes. I think who starts isn't as important as, uh, you know, who plays the most and who plays well and who finishes. Like, starting in football is like, whatever. The quarterback, yes, and the, line, the receiver combination depends on the player. Who cares? How many plays and snaps were you yes. on the field? And in basketball, it does matter, but I don't think it matters as much as you think if you're going to play 10 deep, and that's where BYU's at. 10 deep, 10 deep. Hmm, where did Mark Pope think of that? When Mark Pope was at uh, Kentucky, I almost said Gonzaga. When Mark Pope was at Kentucky, he played on a 10 deep team. He was a starter, and then he was benched. And he was the guy that would uh, guard the inbound, and he was 6'10, big, solid frame. They would full court press. He understands what it's like to be the 10th guy on a team. And his team won the national title. He could have been uh, upset. But he gets it, so he points that out and does a good job of like keeping the people on the fringes or people who might be mad or upset. Hey, no, teamwork, give more, get more. Is this the best starting lineup? Maybe, but the sample size is way too small, and yeah. it's against the worst team in the West Coast Conference. If it works against St. Mary's at home and like better against Gonzaga, then I'll be like, okay. Yeah, we're talking. Yes, just Portland, that's, that's tough. But the mojo that... BYU will carry from that performance 105 points into Gonzaga on Monday is a good starting point for the Cougars knowing what's coming in. Yes. And Gonzaga was tested for about 30 minutes last night. They were up three with nine minutes to go, and then they do what they do. They trailed for the second time all year at halftime to Pacific. Damon Stoudemire got fired up, got a, got a tee, had to be uh, you know taken away from the refs. So, yeah, it got interesting for the Zags, but I, I don't expect BYU to beat Gonzaga. I mean, I don't expect literally anybody to beat Gonzaga. Like if you said, okay, Baylor's playing neutral court with Gonzaga. I'd say, I expect Gonzaga to win still. So I, I just hope BYU competes better than they did up in Spokane. BYU was down by 20, got down to 12, it blew back up. I would hope BYU can have it as a single-digit game in the final 10 minutes, and I, I would be happy with that result. Get it to the weird territory. Yes. That makes get, it so fun. Let's get weird. The theme of workaholics. <laughs> Hopefully the BYU offense, to some degree, can show up against what will clearly be a much better Gonzaga defense than they face against Portland, but our stat of the day is eye-opening regardless of who the opponent is. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's 1.58 points per possession is the program's best offensive game in the Ken Palm Index era. You're scoring basically every time time you touch the ball. That's the 0-2. 
That's amazing. Two decades? It's amazing. 105 points. I, I felt like BYU shot like 80% from the field. They didn't, but it felt that way. <laughs> that would be amazing. What did BYU shoot? 63%? <laughs> that's, a, that's incredible. That's an incredible that, number. That's the, That was the rare instance last night where neither you or I, nor I, are watching live. Because we have other games. Uh, other we had a doubleheader. Other responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. We wondered, okay, is BYU going to take a hit in the net ratings because they play Portland? It was a quad four, pretty bad in the metrics, 300 plus. Jeremy, very much the opposite. BYU jumps eight spots in the net rankings from 36 to 28. There are other moving parts involved there. That's massive. Utah beat Arizona. Look at that. Utah State beat Fresno State. Fres, yes. So BYU got some help from other teams that they have yes. beaten. Yes. But look, look at that. Plus 11 in the Ken Ken Palm. Palm. Because of the scoring margin. They win by yeah. 45. Offensive efficiency is off the charts. Yep. You'll, Mi- you'll minus, make a big jump. Minus two in KPI. What? what? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The KPI. Okay. The fact that BYU does this makes me wonder, is, is BYU missing a couple of those blowout wins this year? From being like a six or seven, because if 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 that's the kind of jump you're going to have, and I don't feel like BYU has blown out too many fools this year. That's uh, obviously winning by forty five is just Portland ab- twice absolute domination. Yeah, like a twenty plus point win to a you know a, a D one team. BYU hasn't done it too much in the beginning, right? They, um, a, Most a of the bit, games but, have been grinded out. Yes, BYU's had some adversity. They trailed in the second half. Yes, so obviously Westminster's D two, New Orleans. Yes, that was early Utah Valley. Yes, but after that, it's been it's been a grind. Like eighteen with Utah, that was nice, but like just really just pure dominate Texas Southern, and then it's kind of been close, right? I'm looking in in league play. BYU lose to Gonzaga, then it's ten point win over St. Mary's, nine point over San Francisco. The big, what, 28 over Portland, uh, 11 over Pepperdine, minus 3 to Pepperdine, uh, plus uh, 8 with Pacific. So it's been closer. I think if BYU does this once or twice, it's like, okay, are we talking about a 7? Are we talking about a 7 seed? Because we've talked about how 8-9 is just the worst. I'm happy BYU is in a tournament situation. It's better than not being in. But if you're in and you, you can affect your seed in a way where I'd rather be a 10-11-12 than I'd rather be an 8-9. We asked Andy Katz yesterday. How can BYU, with the remaining games they have on the schedule, improve their seeding? Not so much the net, Ken Palm, basketball power next, but their actual seeding. And he said they're going to need some help from other teams. No, no, no. They just need to win by 45 every game. So if B- he said, yeah, BYU takes care of business, but every day, need San Diego State, Boise State, and Utah State, the top three Mountain West teams to finish as top three teams. And for the likes of Utah to keep winning big games in the Pac-12. If St. John's can pull off another big upset like they had against Villanova the other night, yeah. that will help. Maybe BYU sneaks up to a seven seed. Maybe. Well, if BYU is going to be a six, then they'll be a seven. Remember last year, BYU was going to be a five. They would they have end been up a six. a six. Sure. Now, this year, BYU is still going to battle the whole Sunday play thing. They'll be in one part of the bracket, two of the four regions, the whole thing. So if BYU is going to be an actual seven, they're going to have to be a six. Thankfully, so, so there's not, not much like, travel involved, and it's in one county in Indiana. Right. It's just the seating thing, the matchup. But neutral court with everybody. I mean, it would have been neutral anyways, but, like, we haven't heard. There's going to be no fans, whatever. BYU's going to get to the NCAA tournament. Like, this is a comfortable, fun feeling right now yeah. for this team. You just saw 
the latest seed line numbers. ESPN Bracketology and Joe Lenardi have BYU as the top-rated nine seed. Okay. And The Athletic and CBS Sports have BYU as a 10 seed. I'm scratching my head at Bracket Matrix because I see, hey, 8.92 seed average, 90 of 92 brackets BYU is involved in. not in two brackets? Who are the two brackets that are not including BYU right now? Don't ask me a question. What are you you watching? Has your bracket not been updated in like six weeks? What's going on? And if so, why is that included there? (laughs) It's in a thing called RSN. (laughs) Racing Sports Network. I don't, I don't know. And and CSM. It's, I found the two. College the sports madness. Don't ask me a question. We update our bracket. I have to answer. Once in December and then again in March. I, College sports madness. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. BYU, we feel, is firmly in the field. That was updated four days ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Let's get those people on the show. Nope. Let's not. <laughs> let's let's nope. not. Our question of the day, back to football, because we press towards Super Bowl weekend, and Andy Reid is seeking out oh, yeah, that. a repeat Super Bowl championship. Well, let's go. Incredible. Uh, Lavelle Edwards is one of Andy's heroes, and Andy's a big part Wait, of Wait, one of them is team team. rankings? How does that work? Doesn't have BYU in the field? Yes, weird. I'm looking into it anyway. I am questioning your logic, I, Bracket Matrix. I don't, I don't I get it. I am questioning your logic. Are you questioning my Absolutely logic? Absolutely <laughs> I am. What? It doesn't make any sense. I thought we had a relationship, Team Rankings. Okay. Come on. More on that later. No, not to the fo- To the football topic. Wait, they're an eight seed. This doesn't make any sense. Our question of the day. Who's the best coach to come from the Lavelle Edwards coaching tree Ooh. and why? Is it automatically Andy Reid or is there somebody else in there that deserves that uh, lofty honor? Let's hear from you and go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Johnny K answers on Twitter. There have been so many at many different levels of play. However, at the NFL level, you have to look at Mike Holmgren, Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, and took Seattle to a Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. and Andy Reid. I give edge to Andy because he is always repping the Y. Yeah, Andy played here. Mike was a coach here. Andy, uh, or Mike went to USC, but uh, certainly some influence there, so... Yeah, it's interesting. We'll discuss this later. Uh, Shay Lawrence C. on uh, Twitter. I hope someday we're saying Kalani's talking. Yeah, if, if Kalani has more 2020s, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's got to have like three or four more just to match Bronco right now. So it's an uphill uh, <laughs> battle. Let's go. Okay, coming up, what do we think of the Kevin Clune hiring on the football team? And Super Bowl champion coach, former BYU tight end Brian Billick back on the program. How do you defend the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid? to give us his answer. Hopefully Tampa Bay is listening. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Just noticed some, some illegal hands to the face in that point. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Abby Alder and the 12th-ranked BYU Gymnastics team takes to the mat tonight uh, to take on 15th-ranked Southern Utah, the Flippin' Birds, 9 Eastern on BYU TV. They're awesome, dude. Both those teams. The best hey, the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. You're, lo- you're looking at the top two top I, 15 like, teams. When I think of the Mountain Rim, I think Southern Utah and BYU. You should. 
We are live in Studio B on a Friday with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Jerem had quite the opportunity this morning to speak with one of our favorite guys, one of our favorite BYU alumni. He squared, yeah. Uh, Brian Billick, NFL uh, you know, Super Bowl champ, of course, with the 2000 Ravens, known as one of the best defenses of all time. Fun conversation, former BYU tight end here in the 70s, and uh, has won a Super Bowl like uh, Andy Reid like uh, Mike Holmgren. So BYU has a history here. Fun conversation this morning with Brian about Tampa Bay and Kansas City and Andy Reid and Daniel Sorensen and winning an Emmy and, and his uh, shelf's better than uh, ours uh, here. Uh, here's the conversation on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Okay, Brian, I thought your wardrobe might give away which way you were leaning in the Super Bowl, but it kind of goes both ways. So uh, wardrobe doesn't work out in that way, I guess. No, no, I'm uh, I, I'm in Columbus, Ohio now. So I've got you. If you're not wearing Ohio State colors, they kind of <laughs> shun you out of the grocery store and the cleaners. So uh, I've got to go to the store today. So I've ever, I better dress appropriately. Yeah, and you have to say the Ohio State, right? Yeah, that's just that's just how it is. <laughs> the Ohio State University. You're right. I stand corrected. Exactly. Well, certainly the Super Bowl tomorrow. Uh, excuse me, Sunday. We're excited to have you on to talk about that. So. Andy Reid, uh, Daniel Sorensen representing BYU in the Super Bowl. This has been a game that's featured a lot, a lot of Cougars historically. Of course, you won the Super Bowl famously with the Ravens. So what do you think of this matchup with Andy Reid trying to go back-to-back against uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Yeah, it's, you know, people keep saying uh, just how difficult it is to win back-to-back Super Bowls. And I go, no, it's hard to win a Super Bowl, period. <laughs> the fact that it's back-to-back, it's, it's almost prohibitive. Uh, just so many things have to happen. But obviously, Andy's done a phenomenal job. This is just such a special team, and it, it all revolves, uh, revolves around uh, Pat Mahomes. I mean, this guy is so unique, so special in what he does. Uh, but, of course, he's going against the GOAT, uh, and, and you bet against Tom Brady, you do so at your own peril. So what do you think of the matchup in terms of uh, who, who has the upper hand in this? Because, obviously, Kansas City has been rolling, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, luckily, is healthy and in the game. Yet, as you mentioned, Tom Brady, and we'll talk about his legacy in a moment, but uh, this is a quarterback matchup that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, it always seems to come down to the quarterbacks. I am going to be very interested in seeing how the defenses align themselves. I mean, the plans, as Marv Levy used to say, simple but not easy. Uh, you can't give up the big plays. That's Jets' job one. We learned that in the first game. They know they can't go man against Tariq Hill. It was embarrassing how he went off on them in the first game. They adjusted, and it's remember, that eventually was just a three-point win by Kansas City after a phenomenal start. Uh, so, yeah, you get both teams, you can't give up the big play, equally for Tampa Bay. You know, uh, right now, Brady's playing brilliantly, small ball, Brady ball, run the ball. But when you give him that opportunity to get to Godwin, to get to Evans, to get to Antonio Brown, he's going to take it. And so both teams know you got to make him go the length of the field. I think we'll be up and down the field. Getting to the red zone, that's the key. If Tampa can make uh, Kansas City kick a field goal instead of a touchdown, trade a field goal for a touchdown. All that speed they have gets a little negated in the red zone uh, where Tampa Bay maybe can pound it in and and be a little more efficient. So if if they're going to be able to win, it's going to be because of what they're able to do in the red zone. I'm talking about Tampa Bay. Talking with uh, Brian Billick, former Cougar player, Super Bowl champion here on BYU Sports Nation. Brian, if your 2000 Ravens defense was going up against this 2020 Chiefs offense, what would that matchup be like? Yeah, well, I, you know, I was with Ray Lewis the other day, and I asked him that same question. And he just looked at me and he said, we'd hit them, 
a lot. <laughs> and and uh, that would be an interesting matchup because that team, uh, uh, you weren't going to run on that team. Uh, we, we, we were able to get pressure with a four man rush, uh, good matchups on the back end. You got Ray Lewis in the middle. I mean, Kansas city spectacular. You're not going to stop them. All you who, again can hope to do is to slow them down and, and again, be efficient in the red zone. The challenge would have been obviously for us offensively to keep up because that's the other part of it. You can do all those things to challenge ta- uh, uh, Kansas city, make them kick field goals instead of touchdowns, but your offense has to respond as well. It has to keep up with them, or all of a sudden you just that, – that slow trickle of down by 7, down by 10, down by 13, down by 20 just keeps adding up. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, viewers out there, if you're trying to impress on your Zooms, I don't think you can beat Brian Billick with an Emmy and a Super Bowl trophy behind you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty that's, impressive. Uh, it, I'm an old man, you know. You gather enough hardware; it's 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 a pretty good uh, pretty good thing to do. Hey, I'd take one of those, let alone two. So that's pretty good. Who would line up on Travis Kelsey from the 2000 Ravens? Well, you know, I've been saying you can take anything you want away from an offense. You want to take uh, Tree Kill out of the offense, no problem. You want to take Travis Kelsey out of the offense, no problem. You you want to take both out of the offense. Now you got a problem because you just run out of numbers. Uh, yeah, you, you, you're going to have to jam them on the line. Um, you're going to have to bring a safety down. Uh, we had uh, 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 Herring and, and Rod Woodson certainly in that cover uh, situation. Our line, Jamie Sharper on the outside at linebacker. Um, you got to do a lot of things. The problem is that you then also you can't go as good as we were. Uh, we didn't have anybody, even with Dwayne Starks and Chris McAllister, anybody that could go one-on-one with Tariq Hill. And obviously Tampa Bay does not. They've learned that. So you can't, you know, you've got to combination that off as well. So that's that's the tough thing. So then, okay, so we you get a four-man rush and you take care of those two. Well, they still have Hardman. They still have Watkins. So, yeah, it's 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 a tall order. Certainly, Lavelle Edwards had a massive influence on everyone that he coached. Andy Reid, pretty vocal about the influence that BYU and Lavelle had on him. Where do you see that manifest itself the most on and off the field? Well, Lavelle always had the bigger view. Uh, by that, I mean, you know, he wasn't the, the strategic, tactical, X and O guru on, you know, on the offense or defensive side. He hired good people. He let them coach. But he kept such a balance for the players on and off the field and wrecking and looked at them as the whole player. And, and obviously as a college coach, it's a little bit different than the pros, but yes, that that's, that has to be a priority in terms of you're developing these young people, but he always kept the game in perspective um, and made you work hard. Uh, but, but by the same token, respected, the demands on you, the fact that you were going through college, you had a life outside of football. That, that's really, really important. I think you see that with a lot of the young coaches today. I think they have a, a bigger view, a more holistic view of their players and their team. Certainly the first home game for a team in the Super Bowl is interesting. Do you think that will make a difference for Tampa Bay in this? You know, I think that's been overblown. The fact that it hadn't happened, yeah, it was cute. And the fact that it's happening now, and it would happen in a time where obviously the fans can't be there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's up those with that? that? For those that have been to a Super Bowl, it tends to be a fairly neutral crowd. In other words, you have kind of the same amount of 
uh, fans from one side as the other. Plus, you have a whole bunch of fans that are just there to go to a Super Bowl. Um, this is going to be, I think, a good game for the very fact that that the Super Bowl hoopla. I mean, normally right now we'd be talking about, well, what are the effects of the Super Bowl week and all the distractions and which team's going to handle it best and how's it going to affect the game? Well, we don't have that. I mean, Kansas City's not even coming in until Saturday. Um, so this is going to feel, and, and people, I, I'm sure it's hard to appreciate, once the ball kicks off, it's just another game. At least that's what you want as a coach. Now, the ramifications of it, what happens afterwards, certainly. But you want to get into that normalcy during the week in your practice and into the game as quickly as you can. You don't want to make it too big and, and internalize that kind of pressure. And this week has been ideal for those coaches. They prepared in just a normal way, able to keep that normalcy for the players. So I think we'll see it on the field that it will be a very good game from the get-go. And then we look ahead to the NFL draft. Certainly Zach Wilson making waves, a, a probable top five pick, top ten. It feels like uh, almost for sure. What do you think of Zach Wilson and his prospects in the NFL? Outstanding. You know, he has all the, the attributes. Um, uh, you know, coming from a program that has used him the way that he has, yeah, I think people are very attractive. He has all the physical skills. He seems to have a pretty good demeanor about him. Um, the only concern I think, and, and between now and the draft, we're going to pick these guys apart, even Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Zach the same way. And, and Trey Lance and Kyle Trey, the whole group, uh, we'll start picking them apart as we typically do. And, ah, well, what about this? What about that? The only thing I think that will come up with Zach is that an, a phenomenal year this year in a very unique year, the big jump from last year, touchdown interception ratio from last year to this year. And, and which is good. I mean, that's what you want. But the fact that it was such a dramatic jump, it's a little like a guy that really has only played the one year. You worry a little bit about, well, what what was the reason for that? Were there external reasons for it? Um, is he more like the latter rather than the former? Uh, but I think the way he performed this year again, and the team was spectacular under adverse conditions. Um, I think he'll check all those boxes. And I agree. It's hard to imagine him not being a top five pick. From 74 to 76 when you, you were at BYU, what was, your, what was the building on campus you hung out the most in, and where was the hangout spot in Provo? Wow, boy, now you're, you know, we were at the Smith Fieldhouse a ton, obviously, and used to have the, uh, that little burger shop, although it was probably not even there, in, below the stands, the old uh, basketball arena. That was kind of our go-to for lunch. Now I know I, I was up there not long ago. Uh, Tom Homo invited me in to visit with the team and the setup that they have now and the way they feel, it's phenomenal. Uh, but no, we were having to eat burgers and that uh, greasy old thing underneath <laughs> the uh, under the stands. Uh, uh, of course, I majored in communications, so I was in your – it's the same building, I, I'm assuming it is. Uh, the that, Brim, uh, was Brim there a building? great deal. Uh, this no, what was the this was the uh, God, I'm, 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 I'm was is it Gates? No, I'm I'm, I'm drawing a, a blank. The studios were all uh, up by the main administration building, so it's probably moved. But I spent a lot of time there, obviously, and and a lot of time uh, obviously around the uh, the dormitories where we had uh, uh, training camp meals. Well, fun times, Brian. We always appreciate it. Great insight, and uh, we look forward to the Super Bowl tomorrow with a couple of Cougs or Sunday. I keep I keep wanting it to be tomorrow. I guess uh, Sunday. Yeah, I know everybody, and maybe the players want it too. Right now, <laughs> from now until game time is the longest two days of your life. It just seems like it takes forever to get there. Awesome. Well, we appreciate the time, Brian. Thanks. Sounds good. It's Brian Billick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. It was the Harris Fine Arts Center. That was what we were Yes, to get the HVAC. The HVAC, yeah, which we were in until 11 years ago, and then we got this beautiful building. 
It's fun that uh, he has ties to Lavelle Edwards, BYU, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren. He's in a very uh, unique fraternity, Super Bowl champion coaches that came from that tree. Yeah, there's not too many fraternities uh, at BYU, so that's one of them. <laughs> Coming up, Sean Olmstead on what happened last night against UCLA and the season ahead for men's volleyball. Plus a legit Scott Sterling moment for one BYU athlete. We'll explain. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> crazy, man. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. BYU has a triple header tomorrow on BYU TV. Cannot wait. Women's hoops for Eastern on BYU TV against LMU. Men's volleyball at 6 Eastern against UCLA. 1v8 on BYU TV. And then women's soccer on the app, 7 Eastern. BYU against Utah. That is the season lid lifter for the ladies in soccer. So big day. Let's go. Dave McCann. Coming in to join us to call games. Let's go. I know Juddy's stoked about it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Woo, we got to take care of business. You got to be the LMU. I love that guy. Let's go. He is Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. This is BYU Sports Nation. And it is time, Jerem, for us to do a quick recap of our Portland prop picks presented no, by no, Tim. No, no, Make it long. Okay. Make it a little bit longer. Presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Okay, number one. We were asked, what will be the largest lead of the game for BYU basketball? We both said 45. I went 21. I said 27. BYU was a 19-point favorite. Yeah. You said 27. You called it and said, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. I didn't think there'd be that much blood. BYU led by as many as 47. One by 45. Es mucho puntos. Okay, so number, you win that point. You're the closest. Yeah. Number two, neither of us had Gideon George as the leading score, so I award you no points, and may God have mercy on yourself. <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't we? Weren't we asked who will lead in the first half, or was that against Pepperdine? Yeah, Gideon George oh. led in the first half. With gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We both missed. That's the yeah. Point. That's true. All right. Well, I needed a. You know, something to happen in the free throw line good, for a tie. Good appeal, though. Yeah. And I said that BYU would shoot 70% from the free throw line. You went with 78%. Yeah. BYU only shot seven free throws and made six. 85.7%. Interesting. Hmm. So you take the win. And that means I spin the wheel of consequence. Yeah, it's been a minute. So I don't even know if you remember how this works. but So you spin it, and then you do the thing. Okay. So, Unless you've done that thing before, which you've only done one, one thing. One time. So it's third person. Pretty good chance yeah. that I won't have to uh, spin it again. Here we go. Spinning the wheel of consequence. Time for me to face up to what I was wrong with. And we are coming to a rest on top. <laughs> well, I have to do it. Oh, and I'm in a dress shirt. Oh, man. Yeah. I have to do up my top button. Well. <laughs> I can't breathe. I can't wait, breathe. Wait, don't you wear a tie during this? Oh. Broadcast, so you button it up anyway. What do you mean you can't breathe? Oh, that's, this is such a you know loose, free flowing show. It just feels so restricted right now. <laughs> you work at BYU. The restriction is inherent. <laughs> I, I look terrible. Oh, jeez, oh, it's, it's amazing. Just not my. Gosh, style. you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's whip it. <laughs> Sugar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Fury <laughs> Football announces Kevin Kloon is the new linebackers coach. You like? I love it. We discussed this weeks back. January 5th, I 
said this is the guy BYU should hire. So there you go. Yeah, I noticed him in November, and I was like, who's this guy? Found yeah. out, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to have him on board, Jeremy. Listen, 10 seasons as a D.C., including Utah State, Oregon State. He was the linebacker's coach at Memphis when they went to the Cotton Bowl and went 12-2. Mm-hmm. Homie knows what he's doing. Yes, he does. Okay, uh, on to the next. Who's the better libero in volleyball? Matty Allen or the infamous Scott Sterling? Okay, at Utah Valley. This happened yesterday. Matty Allen, dig. Matty Allen, dig. Oh! Matty Allen, dig. Three in a row. Like, are you kidding me? And then BYU gets the point. I mean, that that's unbelievable. Here's the thing with Scott Sterling. Amazing, right? Amazing. It's not real! <laughs> but it's still entertaining. As Matt Meese just keeps getting pelted in the face. In the Smithfield House, by the way. So, Maddie Allen, because what she did really happened. Just keep that ball alive. Oh, this angle's extra flattering for me. I'm going to pull up the collar, too. Hey, and you're... No, that's breaking the... And you're... You're lucky there was only a two-topic whip today. <laughs> Coming up, Sean Olmstead on top buttons yeah. in the match last night. And uh, what's in store for men's volleyball this year? <laughs> you doing your Joseph Smith here? Yes. That's what I'm going for. It's me and Joe. <laughs> that's swag, man. Stay with us. No more of this. I'm, I'm, on, I'm loosening the no, no, top button. No, let's keep it going. <laughs> Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. No, no, keep it going. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Top-ranked BYU men's volleyball looks to avenge the loss. Day ranked UCLA. Tomorrow night, BYU TV, 6 Eastern. also want to mention uh, the series premiere of Over the Top OTT. Steve Bale and I uh, take you inside Cougar Volleyball tomorrow on BYU Radio, 2.30 Eastern time. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, live over Zoom, is one of our favorite people. He's itching to get back in here. The head coach of BYU men's volleyball, Sean Olmstead. Sean, welcome back to the program. I wish we were discussing a win, but I am interested to find out how you cope with the loss. Do you go for a 50-mile run and, and get it out of your system? What, what happens? No. Yeah, uh, I stay up late and uh, made a nice scramble of sausage and eggs and cheese uh, at about midnight last night. So that's how I dealt with it last night. But in the past, it's been, you know, maybe therapeutic to get out and get on a long run. But uh, no, it's a uh, start to the season. Tough loss for the guys uh, here at home. But um, here's where we're at. We get another shot uh, tomorrow. So uh, we've got to we've got to rebound and and be be ready to get in the gym today, practice and discuss some things, some tough things, and then go forward and get ready to compete. Nothing's normal in 2021, but uh, three starters out for UCLA, and obviously Will Stanley at setter was a big one. Wearing masks, no fans, or limited to family. It was all just kind of weird. But uh, what was it like in that match to try and try and get uh, Zio Meyer and the connection with the hitters as best you could get it? Yeah, that, that's exactly what we were doing. You know, a young kid, freshman, in that circumstance and and he's a kid that uh is 
you know, pretty mature beyond his years, you know, very experienced. And, um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, we, we just couldn't get our offense going. In reality, we passed really, really well. And so that, that was tough. And uh, it's some things we've got to work with him, watching film, slowing things down a little and discussing things, maybe a little minor change here or there. But, um, you know, we kept trying to get things going. And, and it, when it wasn't, it just kind of was a snowball effect and, and, and had a bigger impact on the rest of the team and, and, and the rest of the things we were trying to do. And we saw that. And so it, it was kind of uh, all credit to UCLA because they, they picked up on that. They kind of ran with that energy and that excitement, understanding that we were still trying to find things uh, on our side of the net to click our way. There's a storied rivalry with U- UCLA and BYU in volleyball. Does what happened last night – Add another chapter to that. Does does this is this a good thing for this rivalry moving forward? Well, yeah, because I believe I believe any time that we can play UCLA is a great thing. I mean, really, you know, um, we're fortunate that, that they're they're always a, a very competitive, top program, outstanding coaching staff, great players, and so we we uh, that's been you're exactly right. That's been a very heated rivalry. You know, going back to Carl McGowan and Al Skates. And those are, those are stories that will be told forever. (laughs) And uh, some of the best stories, uh, the best stories around, but um, maybe for another date and another segment, but, um, and that rivalry continues, you know, we're both bringing the best out of each other and you want that. And uh, I'm, I'm absolutely okay with those kind of matches being the opener for our guys. And uh, last night we, we, we were a little shell shocked and, and the shell shocking kind of continued. And we saw that where we just, just couldn't, we struggled to find that rhythm and get back on uh, where we needed to be. And so, Hey, it's a learning experience for our guys and opportunity. And we definitely have to respond differently and better uh, collectively as a team for tomorrow night. And that's what seems like the good news in this. This wasn't the MPSF championship match in April. This was the very first match of the season. So if you're going to learn some lessons, obviously you learn them early and then you, you peak later. So what is it that you feel like you can learn from this experience, not only to be better on Saturday in match two, but to make sure you can get to Columbus in May? Yeah, that, that's exactly what the goal is, you know. And so uh, we want to be in a position where we're playing the best volleyball we can be playing uh, into the end of April and into May. And we believe that as a group, that if that if that's the case, we're going to be in a really, really uh, good spot to compete. And so um, you can throw around, and sometimes coaches throw around the, those things, oh, it's a lesson learned, it's good, this or that. But in reality, if we don't make changes – then, then these become tough losses, and and we're just kind of spewing things and saying things to check a check a box in the corner, and that's not what we want to be. You know, are we really, really going to learn something and take some value out of this and be able to okay make changes, respond to changes, respond to, uh, to the coaching, respond to your teammates, and if we can do that, then yes, lesson learned, and and we're okay with that. You know. Uh, very few teams, no, no team's going to go through the season undefeated. We understand that. That's not a goal. That's not what we're reaching for. We're reaching for being in the moment learning. And so if we do that, then, then, uh, then we're in a good spot and we constantly discuss that. So if we can learn from this, there's a lot of value to gain and, and be able to come back. And, and tomorrow is going to be uh, a good op- opportunity for us to see 
if we've learned something and, and, and are moving on from it. BYU head volleyball coach Sean Olmstead, part-time Ironman with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, what's the plan for Will Stanley and his return? Because we know what an incredible talent he is at Setter, and you obviously missed him last night. Yeah, um, we're he's still working through that. Um, uh, just kind of an uh, he had an ankle sprain. It was the week be uh, in the week leading up to this match, and so we've. We uh, have a great medical staff, and we trust their judgment. And and Will's Will's a tough kid, so Will Will would have wrapped that thing up twenty times and gotten out there. But we have to understand that this is the start of the season. Let's be smart about um, that that ankle fully recovering. Uh, let's let's take it for that. And so we'll continue to go down and and check on things and figure out. Uh, where we believe he's at he'll he's been you know getting reps in practice very light ones and so we'll we'll see and so there isn't a perfect timetable in these situations um if this was a game that we were playing for the mpsf championship even last night if that was the mpsf championship and the national championship will would have been playing but um considering the timing of everything and that we've got a handful of months ahead and that's what our our ultimate goal is then we're gonna we're gonna be smart and work with our outstanding trainer blaine blaine empey and and the medical staff that we have and we'll make good decisions there the pac-12 has asked its teams to play in masks and then to have the opponents play in masks even on the road and a week leading up to that what was that like to do that because uh like we talked about next week with pepperdine that's not necessarily the case for the players on the court when it's a non-pac-12 team this year right Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we started doing that. Uh, we had to start uh, a week ago today um, and mask up all the time. Our, our athletes, as are all the athletes at BYU, are, are masked up in the situations that they need to be, but uh, are allowed to practice without masks, are allowed to do things in the weight room without masks. So that was that was an adjustment. But um, uh, it's it's kind of the reality of uh, do we want to play volleyball games or do we not? And we want to play and these guys want to play and they've put themselves in a, a position to, to play and compete. And so if it means that we've got to wear a mask, then yeah, we've got to adjust a little and it's, it's different. You know, you see masks halfway down the face. Others are over here on the side of the, it's, it's all over there. And uh, so w- we want to play and, and we're going to follow the rules that they have because that allows them to come to Provo and play. And so we've just got to do it, but it it is different. Um, We try to take more water breaks, give them a little more uh, catch their breath and kind of go from there. Coach, uh, you have taken on the immense challenge of a weekly podcast with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale. How do you feel about this new project? (laughs) I'm I'm excited because I think uh, I think the world of both of those guys. I think they do an outstanding job in their preparation, in, in their insight. You know, Steve's a, a classic guy. Usually, anytime he's on a Zoom call, he's sitting in a car, whether he's driving or not. I don't know how the guy just <laughs> finds himself sitting in parking lots all over the place. But uh, um, no, I, I think they do. There's so many. There's so much history and so many great stories in our program that I'm excited to, to be told. So uh, I'm just, I'm just honored that I get to be a small part of it, but so many of my teammates, so many of the alum, uh, you know, this it's rich. We're talking about Super Bowl ties, man, the ties that men's volleyball has uh, go, go into the Olympic games into overseas and into so many, so many different avenues. So it's exciting that we get to maybe learn a little more about those things. 
Keep that top button loosened whenever you're recording with those guys, and it'll all be okay. It's on the radio. That's not a problem. <laughs> Sean, great to talk to you, man. Let's give you some karma for matchup number two against UCLA. Good luck on uh, Saturday. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Always. You got, you got it. Sean Olmstead on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. So 6 Eastern Saturday, BYU TV. But before that, 2.30 Eastern on BYU Radio is the debut of OTT. Coming up, the incredible story of Gideon George. Plus, who's the best coach to ever come out of the Lavelle Edwards coaching tree? Our elite answer to that question up next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the podcast by Googling it and then subscribe, rate, or review Let's recap our question of the day. Who is the best coach to come from the Lavelle Edwards coaching tree and why? In response, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Preston McDavid on Instagram says, all of them are great except the traitor. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Whittingham's been pretty good at Utah. Like, Pretty good, right? Yeah, it's 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 not bad to say that he's been he still came from the Lavelle Edwards coaching tree. Lavelle, Who cares where he coached? Utah uh, Lavelle he's Edwards. Great. Lavelle Edwards is a traitor to Utah State. Yes, where he played. Yeah, they actually inducted him into the uh, Hall of Fame. He's in their there. Hall of Fame. He's not a traitor. Yeah, he's embraced and loved. And Lavelle actually got a graduate degree from Utah. People don't really know that. So graduate degree from Utah, went to Utah I, State. I think it was undergrad at Utah State, master at BYU. I think it was do- I think it was doctorate from Utah. Yeah. I think. Or or just masters. Hey, yeah. well, he's, did I say just a masters? A masters. His name is on the stadium at BYU, and that's what matters most. Yeah, he's a Brigham guy. Yeah, he's Sorry, he's a BYU guy. Today's rise and <laughs> shout outs. Hi, guy. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Gideon George grows up in Nigeria, sleeping outside, paying money to get to this camp. Finds himself in the middle of the boonies for New Mexico. Now he's at BYU. 19 and 13, a second double-double. Just an incredible story. Just what a good dude. Gives shoes back, people, uh, kids in Nigeria. He's just awesome. We love Gideon, and I know that Mark Pope is thrilled to have him progressing so quickly, Jeremy. He's, he has transitioned nicely from the JUCO ranks. That is I was glad sure. he was okay there. He felt pretty hard on that, yeah. that drive. My rise and shout-out goes to Lauren Gustin. 27 points, Woo! 20 rebounds for BYU women's basketball, and she picked up the 20th rebound. Man. The bench went crazy. They yeah. all knew she needed one more to get 20 rebounds. He's amazing. Good for Lauren. Our thanks to today's guests, Brian Billick and Sean Olmstead. Sorry to Dennis Pitt in no time. I know you won a Super Bowl. We didn't talk to you. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linty. Shout out to Ryan Cuff. See you tonight for a top 15 showdown of women's gymnastics, 12th ranked BYU hosting number 15 Southern Utah. Flipping birds! 9 Eastern, go Cougs! Flipping birds!